Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the, I don't know how to say this, 101st? Is yeah. that what it be? Yeah. 101. Yeah. 101. I know. We got to that part where you're like, I don't know how to say Yeah, things. we went down that far in advance. 101st. To the first episode in the hundreds. There you go. Uh, it's a professional book nerd, in case you hadn't yep. figured that Hi. out. <laughs> Howdy. You're back. No more jury duty. Did your, you did your civic duty. I did my civic duty. Um, every I, I meant to ask you this and make a joke about this before we started recording, but I just thought of it again. Um, I always feel like when people say they're going to do jury duty, it's going to be like 12 Angry Men, like the play in the movie. It's not. Not at all. No, I basically sat around a room downtown Cleveland at the Justice Center for three days. Uh. I didn't even get called. I... I really, I mean, I love the legal system. It's so fascinating to me. And obviously, I used to work in a prison, and so I've seen it from all sides. Mm-hmm. And I've always at least wanted to make it up to a courtroom for yeah. the, the voir dire where they question the jurors, and I didn't even make it that far. I just sat in the room. I have never heard that word before. Voir dire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where they, I've where never... they question and, uh, you know... Decide if they actually want to put you on yeah. the trial, uh, put you on the jury panel or mm-hmm. not. But you have to. Yeah, I li- I've place. never knock on wood. I've I've never been called for jury duty. I mean, you're registered to vote, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. registered to vote. Yeah, I, that's always you know that's where they get the number. Mm-hmm. That's where they get the. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I keep waiting, and then then like I'll panic and be like, "Did I accidentally throw it away?" But I haven't. So you'll know it when it comes. Exactly. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad you're back. As we've joked about in the past, doing an intro by yourself is so awkward. It's not fun. I actually told, right before I saw you this morning, because I didn't know if you were going to be back or not, right. I found Christina, who's been on, the ep- on a bunch of episodes, and I was like, hey, if I need to, can I grab you to do an intro? She's like, why? Because I, like, I don't want to do it by myself anymore. It's just, I hate it. Hey, I can't. remember that you one time? All, I know. <laughs> you made me do an entire episode by I myself. I didn't make you. No, but, but it would have thrown off our numbers and uh, our episodes and all that if I didn't. You were amazing. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that. After like three minutes of talking to myself, I can I can feel the whole, stop rambling at him and then I'll... Oh, I just rambled. Yeah. I was like, whatever. So... so. um. By the time this comes out, St. Patrick's Day will have come and gone. Indeed. I'm very excited about. Um, oh, we didn't do, we could have done a, uh, a regional weather talk. <laughs> we could have done a regional weather talk. <laughs> Since in the northeast core of all the country, really, we all got pounded by snow in the middle of March. Thanks, winter. St. Patrick's Day in Cleveland is so bizarre because you just never know. Such a crapshoot. Right? It, it can... like you just never know. I mean, a couple of years ago... I walked to my yoga class, like a mile mm-hmm. from my apartment to my yoga class, in flip-flops Yeah, on St. Patrick's Day. I was like the only weirdo. And then after yoga class, I was the only weirdo walking away from downtown <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't want to deal with the parade. Was but... that the year that it was also on a Saturday? And it was yes. like, yeah, so it was like the perfect storm of, we had like a 70 degree day 
on a Saturday, yep. St. Patrick's Day. For those of you who don't know, Cleveland is one of the biggest uh, St. Patrick's Day destinations in the country. Like, it's not quite Chicago, but it's but probably it's like the next tier. Yeah. Um, so if people don't ever want to go to like New York, Chicago, or Boston to go for St. Patrick's Day, um, Cleveland and actually Pittsburgh are both mm-hmm. like huge, big Irish communities. I've written several. <laughs> I've written several freelance articles about St. Pat. I don't just know this off the top of my head. I, yeah, no, I. But yeah, it's a lot. But it's a lot of fun. And so when it was super nice like that, there was legitimately like a half million extra people downtown. It yep. was not fun. Yep. Um, but yeah. Anyway, this is three days after St. Patrick's Day. Nailed it. Um. So yeah. Did you- I actually have a funny story about that? Go. I'm ready. <laughs> so I I worked at the prison. And the prison I worked at had, um, we had a very strong substance abuse program. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of drunk drivers in and drug related charges and all that stuff. That was like the majority of our inmates. So one of my um, inmate workers who worked in the library was in on drunk driving charges. He was getting released on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> and he told me, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally getting a green beer. I was like, just don't. Just don't drive. Yeah. Please just have a designated driver. Yeah. I don't want to see you come back. He's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, all right. Here's I was hoping. I was expecting you to say as on his way out. He's like, see you soon. Ha ha ha. No, he didn't. Good. But well, that's good. He's just like, don't come back, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's that's there's so many. I will say the majority of people I've ever seen downtown Cleveland on St. Patrick's Day are they're good. Everyone's just happy. Oh, yeah. And, and it's family friendly. For sure. Know. Yeah. There's again, just people everywhere. This is three days later. So again, yeah. So, Adam. Whoops. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this episode. Uh, so today's episode is an interview with Elise Parsley. Uh, she wrote and illustrated the best-selling "If You Ever Want to Bring an Alligator to School, Don't." It's a picture book. She also wrote and illustrated "If You Ever Want to Bring a Piano to the Beach, Don't," and she has one in a similar vein. Uh, coming out very soon about, I believe, bringing a circus to the library. Sure. Which is fun. Uh, the character that she uses, the main character, her name is Magnolia. And she's just a really, yeah, adorable name. And she's this uh, really well-drawn, like, she has these huge emotions and mm-hmm. you can see it. Um, Elise, actually, she went to school for, like, design, like, mm-hmm. for art. And so... Um, she's a very talented writer of children's books, but the part that she's extraordinary at is these amazing images. One moment. <clears throat> there it is. Clear the throat. Uh, they're Yeah, they're just, they're beautiful, and they kind of tell a story all by themselves. So uh, when I spoke with her, it was at ALA in Atlanta. I think we have one or two more of these that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about the fact that she likes to go to schools and chat with kids like she'll do she does this whole literal song and dance where she'll bring a piano in and plays for them and, sure um like you do. and she said she's like i even like borrow like i'll get ideas from the kids and turn those into books which is an amazing idea so um, yeah, and she she spent a lot of time in college um uh, basically donating her time to help promote literacy and just like one of those people when I met her, and I was like, oh, you're just a, an all-around better person than I am. You're amazing. Uh, so, yeah. And my brother, who works here, and I mentioned a few times, uh, I actually gave him these books after I'd read them for his daughter. And he, she's a huge fan. She and he actually, like, interacted with Elise on Twitter about how much my niece loves these books. So, 
Um, Elise Parsley's books are Lily approved. If you there guys you are looking for children's books, so uh, yeah, I think it will really, it, uh, like I said, is a, a blast. A little bit different. It's a, a children's author um, picture book. So if you're looking for books for your kids or grandparents or grandkids or nieces and nephews, things like that. Um, or even if you want to read it yourself, I did. I had a lot of fun with it. So, If people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds. Mm-hmm. I always want to like do the double at at thing. It's I know. At ProBookNerds. And they can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. We actually got an email this morning from someone who grew up basically down the street from where my father grew up nice within like the same time frame of when he grew up so that was he didn't neither of them knew each other apparently i don't think but um it was just a small world situation so that was cool uh and also when you're mentioning tweeting i never know when i'm tweeting if you're going to if when you're writing out like hey you can see us come see us at the library i don't know like what's the double at thing i don't know it's like at and the at symbol so like I don't... yeah so if i say like come see us at cuyahoga county That's library what I do. right i always do the i write the word at because in my mind it's it's not i don't read twitter handles anymore right. like oh it's at cuyahoga lib it's just to me it's a that's kind of libs right yeah. i know so i agree it's awkward nonetheless Oh, man. I just wanted to extend this so I got to talk to you longer because I haven't seen you all week. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else that you think people should know about before we let them listen to this interview? No. Perfect. Well, it's BLR. BLR is live. Oh, so yeah. So you can go back and find our interview with Kate mm-hmm. about all the pie. Yes. And I will say, uh, if you go to your library's website and they're participating in Big Library, pretty decent chance that they are. Um, right front and center, not only can you borrow the title, but right front and center, it says listen to an interview with, with the author. So you'll find it right there. It's a good pie book. Yeah. Jill's plotting which pies she's going to make. I am indeed. Oh, I could make a dessert pie and a supper pie. 100%. I will say I made a pot pie <laughs> last week after all these See? conversations, but it was my own because BLR hadn't started yet. Right. So now I'm going to go forward and use her recipe mm-hmm. and it will be undoubtedly much better than mine. But yeah. Check out biglibrary.com if you want to join the discussion for that. And let us know if you do make any pies. I'm curious which I'm curious ones you guys too. made. Yeah. Um, okay. That's right, it? That's yeah. it. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Elise Parsley on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Elise Parsley, who is the author and illustrator of the beautiful and incredibly fun Magnolia series of children's titles, including If You Ever Want to Bring a Piano to the Beach, Don't, and If You Ever Want to Bring an Alligator to School, Don't. Ever since college, she has dedicated countless hours to promoting literacy, and doing so through her uh, writing and illustrations is how she's doing it now. So Elise, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. So would you mind starting us off just by giving our listeners a little kind of intro to your books? Uh, well, I should probably just introduce you to my main character, Magnolia. Sure. She is a little girl um, who I I think the correct word that teachers would use to describe her is spirited. <laughs> and she has a huge head full of terrible ideas. And she is daring enough to actually try these ideas out. Mm-hmm. Um so, yes, bringing an alligator to school. She didn't just bring an alligator to school. The teacher told her to bring something from nature mm-hmm. for show and tell. 
So obviously an alligator is the right choice there. Yeah. Um, and you know, what led her to bring a piano to the beach? Well, her mom told her to get ready to play at the beach. Uh-huh. And so she hauled her piano out. For what it's worth, the adults in your books have a lot of patience. Like if, they do. I feel like if I was a teacher <laughs> and someone came in with an alligator, I'd be like, absolutely not. She does let the alligator stay the whole day. And That I mean, teacher's been around the block a few times. I think she's, she's just going to ride it out, see what happens. <laughs> and I think she's really close to retirement and I think just, just, didn't just trying to just get into the end. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to get those last few days in. Um, so uh, the illustrations in these books are so much fun. So where do you find the inspiration? Or I guess kind of where do you hope the ideas, not only for the stories, but for how you want to convey those in pictures as well? Well, I, I would say I get my ideas and my inspiration all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to I mean, even when I'm spending time with kids, I'm really trying to observe, like, how do they talk? What interests them? Um, you know, what makes them laugh? Yeah. And I, I also try to really think about my own childhood and, and try to remember, especially, like, what were the things that emotionally struck me the most? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that just affects the way that I work, too. Like, when I... and. Some people have asked, like, is that why Magnolia has such a big head? Because you want these huge expressions on her face. Uh-huh. And maybe that's true. But I, you know, when I want Magnolia to, to be sad, I want her to be really sad. Right. And I, when she is excited, I want her to be really excited. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that just naturally comes across by drawing a humongous head on my character <laughs> with a big face. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, for me, this is something well known. Our listeners have heard me talk about this ad nauseum and everyone in my office is sick of hearing it but I am obsessed with Dr. Seuss I grew up mm-hmm. loving all the Dr. Seuss books I have a Dr. Seuss tattoo like it's pretty intense um and I think the reason that I love it of course is you know like the sing-song verse and the way that he writes but for me it was always the whimsy and absurdity of mm-hmm. the pictures so for you what is it about illustrations in children's books that make them either stand out or just what is it about them that you think is so important? Oh gosh, I feel like a really well done picture book is you can't have the story without the pictures. Uh-huh. Like half the story or more is told through the pictures. Right. And I love that that's so accessible to kids. I actually am not a big reader. Don't tell anybody. That's okay. Um, and so I actually, picture books were my favorite books and remain my favorite books mm-hmm. because I don't have to love reading right. to enjoy a picture book. I And a kid who doesn't know how to read can still enjoy a picture book. Mm-hmm. They can page through it. And so literally anybody at any age can can truly enjoy it and, and still get a story out of it. Um, obviously, to complete the story, you need the text. But um, I just love that, that book. pictures can do so much for us. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's something where we tell libraries all the time to try to get it because traditionally, like, teenage boys are the hardest people to get to read. And so we'll tell them, like, well, why don't you try graphic novels or manga or comics, Mm -hmm. things like that, because there are still those pictures that can kind of grab them in. Um, Given my position, I'm a big reader, but I will freely admit to borrowing, like, Dr. Seuss books still from our library and being like, oh, I'm just going to go back. They're amazing. Yeah. They're so good. Um, <laughs> so, your story of how you got a book deal is very unique. So, is it true that you, this all happened, like, within 72 hours? Well, kind of true. I always try to make sure people know that up until the crazy 72 hours, I did everything, like, as vanilla as you could. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I went to college and learned how to draw and learned how to write, and then I you know, worked, I like set aside hours every day to work on my stories and I had critique groups and it, you know, took a couple of years to get there and I followed all the rules, you Mm -hmm. know, tried to query agents and everything. Um, and so all of that 
did take a, several years. Mm-hmm. But yes, then the the craziness hit when I, I did query um, my agent and he, you know, accepted me within, I don't know how many hours it was. And then he sent my story off and it got, you know, a couple different offers mm-hmm. and, and had it all wrapped up by Friday afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a crazy 72 hours. But before that, it was about as typical as you can get. Yeah, and I think so. that's an important part to see. I was laughing. I think there was it was a Publishers Weekly article, I think, mm. I was talking about that, and I was laughing because they'd say, it's like, how she got this book deal in three days, and I was blown away, and yes. then I was like, well, there's the years before those 72 right. hours. Not yet. as exciting to write an article about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> author spends all of their lives trying to become that's right. an author. Yeah, that's yes. probably, that's, that was, that's just every author, I think. Is how that I is. think so, yes. <laughs> Um, so before you were writing and illustrating books, what were you, what were you doing? What was your profession? Um, well, I, like I said, I did go to college to study illustration and writing. That was my intent was to do children's books. Right. Um, and so through all that time I was working with children through AmeriCorps and then also a piano teacher for, I taught piano for eight years through college and, mm-hmm. um, and afterwards too, just to pay the bills. Um, uh-huh. so I did that in the evenings. I was writing children's books by day and teaching piano lessons mm-hmm. in students' homes at night. And um, and it was they were perfect jobs for me because they kept me in touch with my audience, right. you know, and there was variety and it was flexible. And, mm-hmm. and I still, I do miss teaching piano lessons. Um, those kids were great, and they were great to bounce ideas off of. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I remember actually asking them all, so we rolled this piano out to the beach, <laughs> down to Medicine Lake here. What do you think would happen? And I just remember writing down everything uh-huh. they said. So... That's such a that's such like a smart way of doing it because you literally know your audience and you're interacting with them. Um, so actually, that that brings up a good question for me. what is it like when you go to like book readings with kids and because I I've, we do a lot of author events here and it's usually for adults and don't get me wrong seeing a bunch of adults just be excited about seeing an author is great and their questions are wonderful but I have to imagine getting to see children's faces get excited about your book is pretty crazy oh it's so fun i mean i think school visits i love school visits i get nervous for them but like when i'm there i'm like these are my people Uh of course i love school (laughs) visits um and they always have like kindergartners are always in that front row and they're i mean they are right there with you the Mm -hmm. whole time i mean i have kids that will actually try to warn me what's going to happen um you know and they're they're just as excited and thrilled and sad with Magnolia and I I just love school visits they're so much fun and um, I, I learn a lot and I take away so much from that because so much of an author and illustrator's life is spent alone in their studio yeah um, and so I really miss and I'm such an extrovert but I, I mm-hmm. miss people in general but yeah. I especially miss being around kids mm-hmm. so I try to soak that all in when I go on a school visit and yeah. take it home and then pour it back into my work do you, um, do you ever get to use the piano when you are doing any school visits? Like, is there any yes. music? Yes. Oh. I did a school visit yesterday, and they were kind enough to roll their piano in from the music room. And, that is um, amazing. Yeah, we do. We uh, Whenever I do the piano to the beach book, mm-hmm. we have a little dance party at the very end. That's and I, awesome. I play Wipeout, and they dance. And then when <laughs> I stop playing, then they freeze, and they make a silly face like Magnolia. Oh, my God. That is adorable. So it's, it's great. And then they get all their wiggles out, and they get hyper, and mm-hmm. then we send them back to their classrooms. Yeah. <laughs> You actually said something that I talk a lot with authors about is this crazy life that you guys kind of leave where you're expected to go off and be by yourself for so long mm-hmm. to create a book. And it's like, all right, I'm not probably not going to interact with too many people while I'm doing this. And then as soon as the book is coming out, you have to do stuff like this where it's like talk 
do interviews and go on books for it. So what is it like kind of living those two different lives? Is it, is it strange? I, is it something you ever get used to? Yeah, it's, it's a little strange. And I'm, I mean, I'm still getting used to it. I think, I think a lot of writers though are, are introverts naturally and mm-hmm. enjoy that time. And yeah. I do, I mean, I need my downtime also. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it's actually podcasts like this that sometimes keep me sane when I'm <laughs> really hitting a deadline hard and, uh-huh. and doing a lot of artwork. Um, I feel like I have a studio mate, you mm-hmm. know, in, in there with yeah. me for, you know, an hour I'm with this illustrator or this author. Yeah. Um, and that kind of makes me feel like I've got some company. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it is a strange balance to go back and forth between nobody's seen this book at all. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, everybody knows this book and they've all read it and I, you know, have to somehow organize an event that goes around it. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, that always is so... It just it's such a unique lifestyle to me that it always goes well. And then like having having the the willpower and like obviously it's it's a profession so you need to but knowing like okay I need to work it, it's a job so I do yes. need to work those same hours of the day yes. doing this. It's just usually might not be nine to five. Maybe right, it's... exactly. Well, and in your home especially, I think, and that's why some people like get a separate studio or mm-hmm. you know they actually set hours and go. And, yeah, you know I think. That is, and that's actually something I enjoy is the flexibility of working from home and having a daughter that, you know, I can actually be at home with her, but mm-hmm. I can still work. And I appreciate that flexibility. Yeah. But. So is your daughter a fan of the books or is she an inspiration for anything that well, happens? Well, she's in- only five months old. Oh, okay. So she's not, I wouldn't say she's a fan yet, but she, she hasn't cried whenever she's seen them. Well, that's I mean, good. Um, actually, I don't think I've actually read either of them to her. Mm-hmm. My husband might have, but I, I have no doubt she will inspire future stories. That yeah. is what everybody has told me. They're uh-huh. like, your stories will get better now that you that's have a amazing. kid. Um, so when you were growing up, do you remember some of the kids' books that you used to read? Oh, yes. I, and I feel like these are books that other people didn't read for some reason. Mm-hmm. So if you read them... <laughs> email me and tell me I'm not alone I, I really really enjoyed um, just super silly books like the Golly Sisters is one series that just really stuck with me uh-huh. and that's like an easy reader series um, I really enjoyed um, anything that was illustrated by Stephen Campbell yeah um, he's just he's a fabulous illustrator and I don't even know who all the different authors are that he's mm-hmm. done work for um, I really loved the Little Critter series like yes. they're just they're so good, and those are some of the first books that I wanted when I, absolutely, you know, when I had my little girl. And, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. No, it's okay. <laughs> I can. I'm just, speaking of the little critters. That always reminds me of the, um, like the golden books that yes. they have like golden spine. They're I remember so getting so good. excited having those. Yeah, those. and they still make them, which I love. Yeah. I love that they're still coming out. With I those. think I just saw it's like 75 years or something this year. It's, it's, a, of it's golden phenomenal. Books. It's crazy to me. Um, something I've been really, really obsessed with lately is i don't know if you've seen the illustrated harry potter books but no the, i have not okay so they're done by uh jim k and he like they're unbelievable it's like rediscovering i'm another one of my nerd things is harry potter <laughs> we talk about it ad nauseum as well but um these these pictures the whole book they you know they take so far they've done the first two and you know it's a 250 pages i think is the first book and he'll he basically illustrates like the whole thing so it's this big like, it looks Whoa. like a coffee table book, but it's Harry Potter. Oh, my. So the whole thing is beautiful, and it got me thinking, if there was a world you could illustrate, fictional, mm-hmm. fantasy, could be like a TV show or anything, what would you go with? That's a tough one, because I'm one of those people where, like, there's some somebody just told me the other day that they're going to do a movie of A Wrinkle in Time, and I was like, 
No, like, because yeah. I know what that looks like in my mind, uh-huh. and I don't think I could ever recreate that on paper. Uh-huh. But I'm sure they'll do an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always like hesitant to change what's what's yeah. already in someone's mind. Um, but I would probably say it's probably a weird answer. But I'm from a farm, uh-huh. and I ever I mean, all growing up, I remember thinking whenever I read a book that was like about a farm, mm-hmm. thinking like, who is this imposter who did this farm book? <laughs> because they've clearly never been to a farm. Uh-huh. And I always kind of was like, someone needs to redo these farm books because mm-hmm. there's always one cow, one chicken, one goat. No farmer in his right mind has a farm like that. That's a hobby farm. Yeah. So I sometimes think someone needs to redo a children's uh-huh. farm book and make it like a real farm. Yeah. That's my answer. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think the, the farm you just described in those books is actually like a petting zoo. Yes. More than anything else. Yes. And, the, and real farms are so much more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're... If you took a kid to a real farm, they'd have way more fun. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, there's, it's messy mm-hmm. and it's like, there's just so much going on. It's noisy. If you only have one cow, it's not that noisy. Right. But a traditional farm, it's quite so, a lot going on. So did you grow up on a farm? I did, yes. Okay, so, so take us through your guys' farm. Is it a dairy farm or what did um, you guys have? It was beef cattle and then um, my dad also has crops and so there's also field work which is never discussed in children's no, farm books yeah. <laughs> it stops with the animals mm-hmm. um and then but we yeah we had a few different horses over time we never had chickens but that's becoming so popular where i live there's I, so yeah. many people and even in cities i feel yeah. like you see chickens everywhere now and i have i have friends whose parents they live in cities around cleveland where we're from and they'll be like hey do you want some eggs my parents have chickens and i'll be like wait what that's yeah me. it's amazing yeah yes and we i mean we had we did not just have a cat. We had like, when you live on a farm, you have cats. You have I mean, all the many cats. cats. <laughs> and I actually, I'm sad now that I, I don't have a cat anymore. And I'm like, gosh, I grew up with like 20 cats. Uh-huh. It was amazing. Every spring there were kittens. And uh. so, did they all have names? Or they just kind of oh yeah, around they and, had names I mean. for sure <laughs> and personalities. I mean, there was Pete. Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. They were sisters, actually. Oh, obviously, yeah. that was yeah. Unfortunate. We didn't really know at the time oh, that's we named them. So but funny. Yeah, no, they were all all great cats, great personalities, mm-hmm. and and all lived in the barn. Yeah. So I, I feel like so around where I live, there's a lot of apple orchards, and I grew up always mm-hmm. in the fall. We would always go apple picking and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I, I have this nostalgia for farms that I would always be like, oh, there, there's always all these. You just go out and you just pick every all the fruit and vegetables that you want. Like in my mind, that's all I've ever done in a sure. farm. So I'm like, oh, it's it's that's what that's it sounds like it would be great. Well, but in reality, there's so much more that you have to there do. Is. We did have apple trees mm-hmm. and cherry trees, and so yeah, I mean there is there is that. There's just but, more. Trees. Oh, there's so much more. And the, yeah. uh, the apples are not ready to pick all year round. Right? Yeah, they're, they're so not many. always red. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah that, but again, like I. I'm almost 31. It's still in my mind. I'm like, oh, everything's always perfect there. Yeah. Um, so on your website, it mentions that you spent over 1,800 hours in college dedicated to promoting literacy. So mm-hmm. first off, how did you do that throughout college? That's <laughs> I can't imagine having, like finding those hours. What was mm-hmm. that like? Um, well, it was set up through AmeriCorps, which is just like the American version of the Peace Corps, which mm-hmm. is here in, here in the mainland. Yeah. Um, and it... The, the particular program that I was a part of was in a school, in an elementary school, and it was targeting um, students that had a low homework completion rate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was I was living in right across the river from Fargo, North Dakota at the time. And it was this, this little tiny school up in North Fargo that had a super diverse population. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had 
20 different countries represented in this little tiny school. And a lot of those kids, um, their parents didn't know enough English to help them with their homework. Or they were working three or four jobs and had to take the bus all the time and just were not available to help those kids with Mm -hmm. their homework. Um, And so that was kind of our main job was to work with these kids on literacy and homework completion. Mm -hmm. um, So it was a before and after school um, program and I I loved it. I just, I mean, there's nothing like working with a kid on something like reading and then having them, you know, read their first books to you. Mm -hmm. And I... I, I mourn for those parents that missed that, that weren't able to have that opportunity right. with their children. Um, but I know that that will come in, in time, especially as those parents are learning English better and better. And, um, but yeah, it was just, it was tremendous. And it's, it was really my job, you know, so yeah. that's how you find the hours. You just pretend <laughs> you have a job and you make those hours work. Sure. It was, it was a blast. And again, it was my audience. Those are my people. Yeah. You know, and so I got to stay connected with them. And actually in the alligator book, um, on the lockers that are on the end papers, there's a bunch of lockers, uh-huh. and there's names on those lockers. And some of some of those kids are from that program. Oh, that that's I, amazing! It just meant so much to me. I was yeah. like, I gotta have them in here. Oh, that's such a, that's <laughs> such a good story. So, are they? Is this stuff that you get to do still a little bit, or do you not have no, as much time because of I, everything? I don't get to do that in particular anymore, um, probably because I don't live in that area. But I um, I do try to, you know, when I visit schools, I, I you know I want to make sure that they're their students are feeling like they've got they've got that support that mm. you know that I don't know how to say it but this, that, a, the help of um, you know knowing that somebody's there and they right. want to encourage them to, to keep working hard and, and and so thankful for schools that have librarians and teachers with the extra help right that can that can pour into those students that maybe don't have that at home um, okay so speaking of libraries actually led into my next question. Um, Overdrive is a library company, mm-hmm. and I think I saw that Magnolia is going to be spending some time in a library in your yes. next book. Is that, can you talk about that at all? Or yeah, not? yeah. Oh, I definitely can okay. share about that. So sure. yes, Magnolia is headed to the library, and whenever mm-hmm. I say that at school visits, the kids all whip their heads around and look at their librarian, <laughs> and they're like, oh no! Um, and then I always have the kids guess what they think she's bringing, mm-hmm. which is a great way to get ideas for my next book. That's really smart. <laughs> um, but she's bringing an entire circus with her this time. Of course she is. Yeah. So, uh, it's, I mean, she does every act herself. She's a tightrope walker. She's a pie-throwing clown. She's going to sell concessions during intermission. Mm-hmm. And she's a human cannonball. That's amazing. So, um, And that comes out in May? <laughs> yes, early May. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I can't wait to look at that. Um, so something that we do at the end of all of our podcasts is we have nine kind of rapid fire questions. We call oh, them no. the nerd nine. So let's, it's funny <laughs> you say that. I call them rapid fire and I feel like every author we talk to is like, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. So these are very lighthearted, I promise you. Okay. Okay. So the first one is usually what's the last book that you've read? You said you're not a huge reader. So how about what's the last children's book that you read? Maybe. <laughs> there you go. How about that? Yeah. Um, I think right before I came here, I read... What did I read? I read Petunia to my daughter. And then what would be your favorite place to read with your daughter? On the floor. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Like mine is I post a stupid amount of pictures of my dogs on Instagram. Like, Ooh. Um, I eat popcorn like 300 days out of the year. <laughs> You're going to have a snack though. That's not a bad one. I, no, I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's one place you'd like to travel that you haven't yet been to? Oh, gosh. I've been to Eastern Europe twice, mm-hmm. and I would like to see the Western side of Europe, since that's what all of our history is about. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, do you have a favorite holiday? Easter. 
Do you have a favorite movie? Ooh, favorite movie. Oh, I I really like Fun with Dick and Jane. That's mm-hmm. one of those movies I can watch over and over again and yeah. still laugh. I think I know the answer to this, but Cats or Dogs? Gosh. It's so hard. See, on a farm, there's also dogs. Okay. You've got them both. Okay. I would, pro- I would probably say... A barn cat, though, is probably as best okay. as you can get. Mm-hmm. That's all right. So my co-host is a cat lady, and I'm a dog <laughs> man. So we always have this, like, battle over what people are going to say. Um, do you have a favorite food? I'm guessing popcorn. Popcorn, maybe. Yeah, totally yes. fair. And then if you could have uh, dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick? Mm, um, I think I would like to have dinner with my grandpa again. He died when I was seven, and I grew up with this goofy, loud, obnoxious Irish family mm-hmm. that loves to tell stories yeah. and I feel like he would not only could I see him again but I could hear his stories yeah. I love that it's a perfect answer and then the last thing is what do you hope children and parents take away from reading your books oh man you know I I don't try to put it like super heavy lessons into my books there are some lessons that can be learned mm-hmm. but honestly my favorite thing about picture books is knowing that most people most children read them with an adult mm-hmm. so the thing I want people to take away is time together like you know a child spending time on the lap of someone they love reading a book together please thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much i appreciate it readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.